Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here in the BetMGM studios. Another great show. John Franklin Myers joins the podcast. We talk to Bart Scott for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game segment. Rate us, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you may get them. Five stars, we want them. Five stars, exactly. Just like you'd rate your Uber driver, five stars. We appreciate it. Yeah, some people are giving us low ratings because they're not happy with the result on the field right now. And I get it. Jets Nation should be pissed off. This team is 0-5, still searching for their first victory. Hopefully that happens Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. But, hey, we've had great guests on this podcast (laughs) throughout the year. Really interesting guests. And uh, we continue to add to the lineup because Bart Scott has been here the last couple weeks. And John Franklin Myers is one of the Jets' bright spots. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I think that fans are really going to enjoy the personality that John Franklin Myers brings to the table. And I've never really spoken to him before. Last year, he was a waiver claim, spent most of the year on injured reserve with a foot injury. And this year, I mean, he's been he's been balling for the Jets J- defense. First sack of his Jets career, anyway, came against the Arizona Cardinals. And if you look at those grades out there in the internet world, He's grading well against the run, and he's also disrupting the opposing quarterbacks. 2018, a fourth-round pick of the L.A. Rams out of Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, how about that? And that defensive line, Greens included Aaron Donald, Ndamukong Sue, Michael Brockers. We're talking about the Rams, not Stephen uh, F. Austin, uh, right? No, no. no. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, <laughs> Stephen F. Austin, John Franklin Myers was the 33rd player in the school's history to be drafted. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty some cool. kind of accomplishment. Yeah, JFM, his story's real cool when you read about him. And we didn't talk to him about this, but he was obviously on that Super Bowl team for the Rams. His first play in the big game, strip sack on Tom Brady. The Patriots recovered it, but still, he had a pretty impressive rookie season. Comes to the Jets. Two like sacks, said, I believe, his rookie season. Yep, two sacks. Had his first sack last week against. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, sure. and really before that, he led the team in quarterback hit. So he made the transition from just hitting the quarterback to actually getting him down and recording a sack. And I really do think that fans are going to like the interview because he's not a player that I think fans know a lot about. Super smart dude who's coming into his own as a player. And we talk about his background with the Rams is that a lot of times he was playing maybe more outside there. Now mm-hmm. he's playing inside, and if you're a Jets fan, you're encouraged by the defensive interior in terms of at least pressing the pocket from that middle position because uh, Quinn and Williams has flashed here in year two, and John Franklin Myers could be the proverbial diamond in a rough. All right, let's just hear from John Franklin Myers. Enough talking about him. So here's the interview with JFM. John, thanks a lot for joining us here on the official Jets podcast. And I want to start with this. I want to go back to your draft day because I saw an interview where you said you actually missed your draft phone call from the Rams. Can you take us back to that moment? Um, well, basically the house I was in, um, we knew there was kind of like iffy service. Um, I stayed in one spot the whole day and, um, you know, actually what happened was my, I was looking at my phone the whole time and uh, I never got a call. So I'm like, all right. I look back at it two seconds later. I see a missed call from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I'm thinking like, well, you know, like the Falcons don't have a pick anytime soon. You know? <laughs> like, I don't, I, 
I don't know if I should even call this number back. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just call it back just to see, you know, whatever. And ended up calling it back. And there was a GM for the Rams, Les Need. And, uh, you know, that's when they told me. And I was like, you know, oh, man. Crazy. <laughs> so you were born in Los Angeles, weren't you? Did you spend any of your childhood in L.A.? Because, of course, you moved to Texas at some point and then attended Stephen F. Austin. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I lived there for seven years until uh, I was seven and ended up moving to Dallas area after that. But I still have family out there. I knew, knew some people. My brother was out there. Uh, I mean, so it, it was a good it was a good situation, you know, going there. Um, I mean, it was ironic that I was from there. Yeah, what did it mean to you getting a call from a hometown team? Obviously, you grew up in the Texas area, but seven years. I know you got some memories there, and you talk about your family uh, is still having roots there in California. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it was it was a good experience. I mean, getting drafted in general was, was a, a blessing, and you know, you get a chance to go to a place that you have to grow up in, um, where my family was at, like my brother, I hadn't seen and maybe 10 years at that point in time I ended up uh you know seeing some family i hadn't seen since i was you know super young so just the whole experience and then being in la you know everybody wants to go to la <laughs> you know, partying or whatever just to see go to the beach or whatever so you know it, i think it was it was a good situation um you know, i mean obviously it didn't work out you know thankfully i'm here you know john just circling back to the draft phone call for a second here. Has it ever played out in your mind, like, what would have happened if you said, you know what, I don't want to call this number back. I think it was a spam call or something like that. Have you ever thought about that? I, I really haven't, honestly, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Hopefully they would have called me, called me again. <laughs> I feel like I – like, I, like I feel like they wanted me enough to call me twice, you know? You'd, you'd hope so, at least. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like from now on, I feel like I need to answer all phone numbers that I don't recognize that pop up on my phone, spam or not. Thank Please, you Thank you very old. much. You're not getting drafted. <laughs> no, but but who knows? John John's talking about an important phone call, and he doesn't even pop up on the screen. I don't know. I feel like I'm answering every phone call okay, from now on. Uh, the, the lesson here is if you're about to get drafted, you can answer the unknown numbers that are coming through because – No, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> hey. All right, now, now I know if I ever get drafted again. How much pride do you take of being the 33? third player in Stephen F. Austin history to be drafted? Oh, no, and I mean, you know, I, we talk about that all the time. Everybody here, you know, a lot of people don't know about Stephen F. Austin, you know. I mean, that's that's my job to, you know, show them who we are. So I take complete complete pride. You know, they make fun of me all the time because I'm wearing Stephen F. Austin gear. Up there. Like, <laughs> you know, look, like, you know, they talking about college football. Like, I'm going to get in a conversation. You know, I don't care. I, I'm going to take us over anybody. And, and, you know, that's loyalty in me. And that's what it's true. Hey, I'm going to live by it until you prove me otherwise. I mean, chances are we ain't going to play half these teams that, you know, some of these guys went to. So I'm like, I think we'll beat y'all. You know? so, hey, you got to represent at your school. Seriously. <laughs> hey, John, though, on a serious note, what do you think about the team name, the Lumberjacks? Like, when you were getting recruited by them, obviously you were excited that you had an offer, but when you're like, am I really going to be, like, a Lumberjack? Like, do you <laughs> you actually like the name, or you just accept it because it's your school? I think, I mean, the whole 
this the school spirit, the whole kind of environment of the school, like it it embraces the lumberjack culture. You know, it's like they're in the piney woods. You know, so you know, like chopping wood is something that like is real. You know, like it's not just uh you know just a uh, saying. You know, like that's really in the piney woods. So like they did a good job of. You know, when you get there, you get axe handles. You know, before every game, you swing the axe, you mm. chop the wood. Like, they do different things where it's like, man, this is actually kind of, like, cool. You know, like, to sit there and you go through these games and you go through different things like the jack jack walk that they have. You know, everybody's, like, you know, sitting there with their axe handles in their hand. Those people then go to the, to the football games and uh, we have a metal, like, little banner and they're slamming the uh, axe handles against the metal banner on the away team side. So that's our student section that's doing those things. And I think it just kind of embraces it. So, man, it, it's super, I mean, it's super cool. Like, I, I don't have anything negative to say about the whole environment. It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So you've been chopping wood in the National Football League. What's been the difference here with the New York Jets as opposed to maybe the start of your career with the Rams? And then I wanted to ask you about your first sack in green and white that took place against the Arizona Cardinals. Take me through the play because I saw you swimming there. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I mean, so the first question, you know, I think kind of the difference is obviously – when you're a rookie, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to get thrown at you. Um, so I was learning a lot. I got a chance to learn from Indomitian Sue, mm. you know, uh, Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, Dante Fowler. You know, these are all guys who, you know, I mean, we don't want to talk about bank accounts here, but, you know, <laughs> some of the guys who make the most money in the NFL. And, you know, you learn from these guys and you take little things. And I think that made me a better player. But being on the team with those guys as a rookie and I'm starting, like, on, like, third down packages, mm -hmm. like, I mean, I just can't make a mistake out here, you know. And you listen, you try to do what everybody tells you. And we went to the Super Bowl. And I think the whole experience, it's a lot for a rookie going to the Super Bowl. But, you know, I think I, I handled the situation well. Um, and I think now I just – the difference is – I have a little more freedom. I have a little more experience. After being with around Aaron Donald, like coming here was the first time I ever even played like a three tech. Mm. I never played that. Like I was always on the edge. <laughs> so after like watching Aaron Donald and being around him, hearing some of the stuff he says, like here I am, like, oh shoot, you know, I actually am kind of good at this. You know, like, <laughs> like, I feel like I can kind of rush on the inside now and play on the inside and rundowns after learning these things from Aaron Donald. So, and Indomitian Sue, you know, both of those guys, like, helped mentor me. Michael Barkers was another one who, I mean, they're like, I, I give them the credit, you know, because they helped me so much being a young guy in the league. And now it's just, you know, I'm using that and I'm kind of using that to my advantage where most guys don't get a chance to work with Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue and mm -hmm. Michael Barkers, you know, not in the same year especially. So... I think, you know, I mean, and that's kind of, again, like going to the sack like yesterday, you know, that's something that you see Aaron Donald do is the little uh, hesitation to get the offensive line to uh, set his feet mm -hmm. and then he's going to shoot his hands, you know. So that's something that we know. That's something that I look at. I knew what type of player uh, J.R. Sweezy was. I knew that with the hesitation he would jump set and, you know, I got a chance to capitalize on it. Impressive film study right there. And I'll tell you who's been noticing John Franklin Myers, Jets Nation, but 
Pro Football Focus as well. Every week we take a look at Pro Football Focus, and they love what you've been doing. <laughs> I, would, I mean, no, I appreciate the love, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you know, we're not getting a win. So, yeah, a stat is a stat, you know, but the stat that we're talking about is a win and a mm. loss. And, you know, um, all I'm trying to do is help put – art team in the best position to win and that's all i care about you know the the accolades are coming you know like being in the nfl and, and kind of understanding how it goes you understand that that's the case you know like when you're winning you know people make more plays and things like that so that's my number one goal is to get out here and help this team win well said hey john how difficult was high school for you because i don't know if a lot of people know this but oh, you man. yeah you know i had to bring this up come on Oh, and 40 in high school as a high school football player. I feel like that, that has to be really tough to do four years. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, you got to throw it. When you say oh, and 40, you got to say that we played in Dallas, Texas, you know, mm -hmm. because, I mean, you know, I think that that makes a difference. You know, I mean, we played some good teams. I mean, it, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, you, you get in a position where, you know, you know that you can – do better you know you know that you have greater uh, aspirations and me being a competitor i'm like you know whatever it is like i'm gonna do my best i'm gonna go out here and i'm gonna you know try to help as many people as possible you know if there's anything i could give them as far as information to help them to help our team win i'm gonna do that you know i play running back a little bit play tight end you know i mean i try to do everything you know to help the team win um and I kind of still use that approach, but you know, it was for sure difficult. It was difficult, you know, finding colleges because once it got to that time, um, you know, some of the schools were saying like, look, you know, you can't help your team win one game. What makes mm -hmm. you think like, what makes us think we can, you know, count on you to help us win the game. So that hurt like my college stock or whatever, but it is what it is, you know, like that was then, this is now and shoot. Yeah, I am. Yeah, here you are. You know, some guys play ball in college, but you were a scholar athlete, the 2018 National Football Foundation Hampshire Honor Society member. Can you talk a little bit about your attraction to the studies and what you majored in and uh, why has that always been important as far as going back to high school, the books to you? Uh, I mean, honestly, it was my grandpa, you know, and, and I briefly spoke to some of the guys here about it, you know, like, there was no, like, when people were talking about, like, missing a class or coming tardy, and I'm like, look, I don't know nothing about that, you know, because <laughs> my grandpa wasn't having that, you know, like, you know, I'm speaking to him, like, my grandpa was the type of person that if if you brought home, like, I, I didn't make bees, and I just really didn't, and that was one of the things, it was like, you brought home something like that, like, you were sitting at the table until he got tired of it. So we get done with school at 3 p.m. and we'd be at the table until 7 o'clock. I had the best handwriting in my class. Like, that's some of the stuff. Like, if you couldn't write in cursive, you were getting on the table, you were writing in cursive. So I think he instilled that in me. And I knew in college, like, look, this football stuff, coming from a small school, it's going to be hard, you know, and understanding that, like, with between that and just understand like if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna put my all into it so in school like people were skipping class like i don't know nothing about that i just <laughs> i just don't do things like that because i know like one i got like fear of missing out so i feel like i might miss something you know like something good something juicy you know whatever it may be i feel like i'm gonna miss something you know um 
And I just, I don't know. I like to be present. I like to be there. What am I going to do in my room all day? Like, I don't know. I just get bored anyway. So I enjoy school. I mean, I went to school. I studied kinesiology, minored in psychology. Um, being an athlete, just kinesiology is, is one of those things where I feel like if I can see how the body works, how the body moves, what can improve that, I can improve my game. And after football, potentially help younger kids and uh, different generations improve their game. So that was a big thing for me. JFM has FOMO, fear of missing out. That's a real thing, especially for especially for like younger kids, like guys, like people that don't want to go out, but they don't want to miss anything because all their friends are going out. Are you that guy? Like I don't even care if like if all my friends are going out, I'm going out even if I don't want to because of FOMO. That's you. I mean, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say it depends on the situation, but a good amount, yeah, I'm not, you know, I, I, I didn't even like, that's what's funny is like in college, I didn't party, you know, so it was one of those things where my, I didn't go to an actual party until my senior year of high, of uh, college and people would ask me why and I'm just like, man, I got to get to the league, you know, what are you talking about? Like, this is, this is different, you know, and my friends are going out and I'm like, Look, I want to be there with you. And it didn't get like when I got to the league, obviously in the offseason and stuff, I was able to do more things with them. But now I'm like, you know, I, I just I hate missing things. Like I've always I've always been like that. I hate I don't like, you know, if I don't like people to tell a story that I wasn't there to like live the story with. I want to I want to be able to make a joke, too. You know, well, you're writing your own story right now and your future looks quite bright. What do you think about the opportunity? right here with the Jets. It seems to be clicking for you. Each week you are flashing, and I know you're not having the collective success that anybody in that locker room wants right now, but individually you're taking strides, and I'm sure you want to be one of the guys that this team can depend on when they eventually do turn it around. Without a doubt, and I I mean, again, here I am. Um, coming from the Rams and, and, you know, again, getting a chance to be in that culture, get a chance to learn, you know, what it takes to win. And, you know, what, the, you know, what, what does Sue do that, you know, that I'm not doing even, you know, being a rookie at that time. And I think taking those things and here I am talking to Bryce Huff and Jabari about these things like, man, this is what these dudes did. And this is what I do. So some people don't know my routine. Some people, you know, don't know the extra stuff that I put in, you know, to get to this point. And this is stuff I learned from Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue that gives me a leg up on the competition. So here I am, you know, I just wanna I just wanna do whatever it takes to help this team win. So, you know, we're doing extra, I'm talking to these guys, running through extra drills, you know, doing things for myself, you know, to put the team in the best position to win. So, you know, I appreciate the opportunity they gave me, pick claiming me off waivers last year. Um, sat out last year being injured. And, you know, they were patient with me, and, and that was important to me. That showed that they actually cared about, you know, what I had going on and getting me healthy. And, you know, I owe them for that. And, you know, each and every week I'm going to get better, and I'm going to continue to put good things on tape, you know, and try to help this team win. John, I could ask you like a thousand questions in a number of different directions. The Super Bowl strip <laughs> sack as a rookie against Tom Brady, your first play in the Super Bowl. Talk about this season, some of the guys you mentioned, like Bryce Huff and Jabari Zuniga, but I want to go somewhere else. Is it true you don't like flying? And if so, if you don't like flying, how do you travel in the season? Because you have to travel a lot on the road. First of all, I want to start with, I don't know where you got that information from. 
This is weird. <laughs> no, I really don't like flying. Um, I think I don't know. I, I'm just. That's okay. It's not natural. Here, I'm jumping in here. I just don't think it's natural getting in a plastic tube and being 35,000 feet above the ground. Nothing about it is natural. I I, I agree with it. I just want to know, how do you get through the season then? If you don't like flying, how do you get through the season and knowing, is it easier for you because you're all with your teammates? And he's saying this with a road game coming up. Yeah, that's true too. I I just, you know, I, I just try to. I brought my Nintendo Switch, so I try to bring my Nintendo Switch every every uh, little away game. But that's just what I do. I try to like I don't know. I'm I'm real. I'm real, I don't sleep on planes. You know, like neither so do I. Go to LA, I'm I'm you know I'm up the whole time. Six hours there, six hours back. Yeah. I don't care what time we get home. You know, I sleep. <laughs> I sleep whenever. You know, but I think it's the whole like I'm in I'm in control of everything in my life. You know. And I get on this plane and I got somebody else, you know, like if I'm in a car, look, you know, you're driving. I'm driving. Yeah. You know, like I feel like I could do something to help this, <laughs> but I don't even like riding in the passenger seat of a car. You know, that's just the type of own. I just like to be able to do something to help a situation. You know. And, hey, John you know, Franklin Myers, I got your back. I totally hear everything you're saying. <laughs> you are not alone out there. Yeah. And. You should be happy this week because you're not going back to L.A. You'll have to go back to L.A. a couple times later this season, but a change in the schedule, it's a short flight to Miami, so you'll be all good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, just three hours, you know, whatever, two hours. <laughs> yeah, a little light work on the plane for John Franklin Myers. JFM, appreciate the time, man. Stay safe on oh, the no, flight. I appreciate the, the opportunity, man. We enjoyed it. Thank you. John Franklin Myers drinking chocolate milk every day? I wish I could drink chocolate milk every day and not have any repercussions but positive ones. Do you like chocolate milk? Oh, yeah. Big you chocolate milk You know, for a guy. couple of years, I feel like people said chocolate milk is actually a drink you should go to after a workout. Yeah, I've read that, too. Um, you know what? Actually, this might this is kind of a polarizing topic, I think. Ooh. Maybe not totally polarizing. I'm probably embellishing, but... What's your take on whipped cream, like like out of a can, like Ready Whip? Because chocolate Ready Whip, I just discovered it. It's fantastic. Uh, on holidays, maybe on a pumpkin pie, fine. But I'm not taking it out of the can. No, I don't want that. Oh, uh, I, I go right from the can. Oh, <laughs> see, yeah. that's that, what I'm talking about. That doesn't provide anything for me. See what what and I? I didn't know they did it with the chocolate. I didn't know they did it with the chocolate <laughs> either, and. My dad was the one that bought it. He said, "Look what I found." Yeah, does your pops do it out no. of the can too? No, no, he, he doesn't like he doesn't like whipped cream. He just knows that I do. Basically, long story short, instead of eating like a cookie or whatever, I like to make a little bowl of fruit with a little whipped cream. Okay. And they found it doesn't go well with chocolate whipped cream, but chocolate whipped cream on its own uh, tastes like soft serve ice cream. I don't do too many bowls of fruit per se, but I did go apple picking a couple of weeks ago. So my new thing is an apple a day, trying to keep the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your favorite kind of apple? Uh, just a red one. Uh, you know, Empire. Empire. <laughs> a in red Syracuse. one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, could have a, you could have a green one. Yeah, but there's only one green one, isn't there? I don't know the answer to that. I'm pretty sure, to my knowledge, Granny Smith apple is the only green apple, and the rest are red. No, I think there are names for certain apples. If you go apple picking, they'll say, okay, well, this is Empire. This one's Fiji over here. Well, I've never heard of that before. Me neither, but all those are red apples, aren't they? No. The Fijis. The Fijis are green? Yes. 
Seriously, they're not like yellow. What am I lying about apples up here on the official? No, Jets you're podcast? just break, you're breaking news to me here on the official Jazz podcast. <laughs> I'm telling you, this happened up in your area in Syracuse. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, regardless, going back to John Franklin Myers for a second here. First of all, that's a long name to say over and over again. So I'm just going to say JFM. Did you ask him if he liked the nickname? No. So Have now, you heard it before? Now, now I'm going to call him John Franklin Myers because now no, I feel bad. No, I just want to know. He probably he might like it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm His curious. His family might call him JF. Who knows? That's true. Man, I wonder what what teammates call him. Like, do they call him Myers for sure? Because John. I mean, other than just John, obviously. JF from Stephen F. JF from Stephen F. That's a good one too. <laughs> but I really, I really enjoyed our conversation with John Franklin Myers. Like much of our conversations, but with all our, our other guests, but John Franklin Myers, I didn't know much about him or much about his personality. And in a time where we're limited to speaking to people through a screen, yeah. I mean, I, I really thought that his interview was, first of all, it was nice to be to see him in the field house. He's like literally 20 yards yeah, that was, way. I thought he was going to do the interview from home. That's yeah, what we were no. originally told. No, he's a guy that – He's embracing the moment, and, and then he, that gives you some perspective of what guys are facing when they come into the National Football League and what a jump it is because I think a lot of people think, oh, look at this rookie on tape. He's going to come in and make an instant impact. It's not always like that. In fact, it's not often like that. Mm -hmm. It takes guys a little bit of time to make that transition, and sometimes you go to a team that is just absolutely loaded at your position, <laughs> yeah. and that happened with him. But now he's getting playing time, and you're seeing him being a disruptive player, and he's a guy that I'm excited to watch develop. He's he's kind of like the odd man out because of the guys that he listed yep. in L.A. I mean, first of all, I can't even imagine being a rookie on a team that features Indomitian Sue, Aaron Donald, and My Michael Brockers. I obviously do not know him. But by all accounts and all everything that I've heard everyone say about him, everyone seems to love Michael Brockers. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's like going to a team and playing wide receiver and uh, Jerry Rice and John Taylor are there. Uh, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit, <laughs> but uh, in their primes. You know, that, no, that, what, what about like a Browns rookie? You have Odell and Jarvis. Is that the modern-day equivalent? I don't know. We should rank the top. Uh, receiving sets in the National Football League because I feel like a lot of teams have uh, good receivers right now. The Bills might be up there with their yeah. three, right? I was going to say the Falcons probably don't get as much love as they uh, should. Ridley and Jones? Yep. Nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta's had some changes here recently. Yes, they have. But, yeah, I, yeah I, I, when you said Rice and Taylor, I was thinking, okay, who would be the modern-day equivalent? Like, if you're a rookie receiver, I mean, almost you, you might – think of someone like cd lamb going to a situation with amari cooper and michael gallup. gallup yeah yeah i think odell and jarvis definitely had the star power well and also odell is a guy who played in new york yeah I, I think that also adds to your name if you're able to make an impact in new york i think that's going to stick with you as opposed to nothing against cleveland but it's a smaller town they love their football there's no doubt about that and that team has started off 
very well this year, but they've been running the football. I thought I might have thought of the the modern day example, and it was the team the Jets just faced, the Arizona Cardinals. If you're a rookie, you have DeAndre Hopkins on one end and Larry Fitzgerald. I think if I'm a rookie, I'm choosing to go to the Cardinals for that reason. Yeah, because you're going to learn a lot from these guys. Uh, Fitzgerald's still going strong, and uh, New Hopkins, he's just incredible. You know, the Jets limited him early. And you're looking up, and you're like, oh, he's got two catches for under 20 yards. And then before you know it, he's in the end zone making ridiculous catches. Yeah. Six, <laughs> six grabs for 131 yards. He's amazing. You know what's funny? In pregame Central presented by Pepsi, yeah. the all-in or not today segment, will DeAndre Hopkins have more receiving yards than Jamison Crowder was one of them? Yeah. And, like, for three and a half quarters, you're like, Jamison Crowder is going to have more receiving yards than DeAndre Hopkins. And then – yeah, Tyler goes, Hopkins for those two big plays. He goes for 116. Jameson Crowder becomes, what, the third Jets receiver in the last 52 years. Thanks, Randy Lang, for that note. Yep. To go three consecutive games over 100 yards receiving. And for most of that game against the Cardinals, you would have said, yeah, Jameson uh, Crowder is going to outpace Hopkins today. But then he has a couple big-time catches down the sideline. And before you know it, he's up to 131. And the Jets are going to have their hands full this weekend against the Dolphins because Jordan Jenkins says, we better be ready because Ryan Fitzpatrick is wheeling and dealing and we could get blown out of the water if we're not on our game. And that's a very good way how to segment to our last segment and basically how we're going to wrap up the podcast. Our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game segment with Bart Scott Jets a little bit of change up in their schedule. Originally supposed to play the L.A. Chargers in week six. That game is now week 11. The Jets bye week, which was week 11, pushed up one week to week 10. And this week, they travel to South Florida to take on the Dolphins. Now it's time for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game. Bart, Jets are traveling to Miami. A little shakeup here. Take on Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, and the Dolphins. Who's your player or your matchup to watch Sunday? Well, it's not this tragic. Um, I don't know what we're going to have at the quarterback position, but if we decide to go with Joe Flacco, I'm going to go with Joe Flacco again. Listen, I thought Joe did a great job in taking command of the offense. We just need the other receivers to come to the party. Hopefully he'll have some reinforcements. We get some guys off the injury list to come out and kind of you know, be willing participants. And, um, you know, I thought he went, you know, he was smart with the ball. He went to where the defense dictated. Guys just got to make plays. We need, we need Chris Herndon to step up. I need Chris Hernan to make his first appearance this season. I need him to be the Swiss Army Knife, no matter who the quarterback is, because he's a guy that we deemed as a above-average player and a player that we expect a lot more of. I want to see him put his best Dustin Keller performance. Let's go to the cornerback position. Listen, you want, if you're the New York Jets, you want it to be Fitz Tragic, not Fitz Magic, because <laughs> – on the West Coast, he was nothing but Fitz Magic thrown to Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. So the Jets' corners have to have big games. Hopefully they'll get Bless Austin back in the lineup. Pierre Desir, three interceptions on the year. And Lamar Jackson, baptism by fire against DeAndre Hopkins of the Arizona Cardinals. But you know it, Bart. Fitzpatrick is going to eye those one-on-one matchups on the outside. And he loves those receivers. Devontae Parker having a very good year. Preston Williams got into the act last Sunday against the 49ers, six foot five. So he always has an advantage against a cornerback. 
Well, listen, we, we understand that Fitz magic is evolution. I call him pinky in the brain because he's the brain with that frontal lobe. He, he knows what you're thinking. That was a joke I used to have with him when I used to play against him in Cincinnati. With that being said, you can bait him into things because he predetermines by the looks where he's going to go with the football. So a lot of those trap coverages where you pretend like you're playing man-to-man coverage and you, you roll off and it's really zone, he'll fall for a couple of those because you have to use his study and his professionalism against him. So you understand what he's looking at. So you have to present, you know, to him what he's looking at and let him confirm that it is what it is. But then it's something different. So you, this, he's not a guy you can get in a, a steady dose of one type of defense. You have to mix it up. And but the looks have to be able to complement each other. And he's a guy that when he's on, he's on. But when he's struggling, he's a guy that still believes in his ability. He's going to try and fit things in the tight spots. He's going to give his guys 50-50 chances at balls. You have to make him play. Like I say all the time, tip balls change games and you know we saw an opportunity this previous week with Avery Williamson getting the ball into the red zone with an opportunity for the offense to cash in unfortunately they couldn't do it four interceptions the last two games for the New York Jets so you hope those turnovers continue Ryan Fitzpatrick has seen everything thrown at him in the National Football League and like you said he he predetermines where he's going to go with the football a lot uh, pre-snap but a lot of good skill position players around him including a rising young tight end in Mike Kosicki. Oh, Kosicki is, is, is a handful, and they're going to have to figure out how they want to address that situation. Maybe this is an opportunity for, for Davis to be able to have, have uh, baptism by fire, you know, be able to run and be able to use his athleticism to try and stop him off the line of scrimmage. This may be one of those three safety games, depending on if they're playing it out three wides or if they're going to traditional you know, uh, formations where they're just going, you know, with tight end and three wides, and you got to figure out a way how to match those packages. But you got to bump him and hit him on the line because he's a rising star, like you said. He's a guy that can make plays down the field, stretch the field, but he's also a guy that can post you up and put you up, put you on his back hip and make those um, those plays, those routine plays, because his catch radius is so much bigger than those who are usually uh, uh, checking him. So it's going to be important, man, to make sure that you you switch it up and give different looks. What I am excited about, I hope Blesson can play because I love the body style matchup mm-hmm. between Parker, potentially even putting Blesson inside to match up on some of those passing downs. Inside, let him see what it's like and see if he has that heart to play within the box and be able to fill those gaps if that happens. How he feels when he sets those edges and he's the fourth player, a lot of cover twos, you know, would say that I already know the answer to that, but I love to see it. You know, the Jets didn't see Xavier Howard last season, the cornerback for the Miami Dolphins. He has three picks this year. My matchup to watch, Jets receivers against the Dolphins corners. We'll see what the status is of Byron Jones, who was acquired in the offseason. But that was the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game. Bart, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. I got no life, guys. I'll be here. Thanks, Matt Becker.